Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. All it takes is one week in this league. As bad as things looked and felt during an ugly three-game losing streak, that's all been erased after 60 minutes of play in Dallas. The Cardinals put themselves back in position to win the division. Yeah, it's going to take some help, but this team is back on track. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 520, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown, DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Well, we didn't get a Merry Christmas, but eight days later, we got a Happy New Year. Feeling much better about ourselves. Okay, feeling much better about the Arizona Cardinals. But we feel good as well after the Cardinals go into Dallas and win 25-22. And with the snap of your fingers, MJ, all's right in the world. It's fascinating. And, and we always talk about, you know, any given Sunday and we get to the second half of the season. And this year, at the 18th week, you're like, um, teams are still jockeying for position. It's fascinating. But I'll say this. You know, last week we heard from the national and local media of how great the Cowboys were. And according to the people in Dallas, this is the best team that they've had in years. And I get it. And they still couldn't make a run in the postseason. But that four-game winning streak, we talked about it at length. They hadn't faced a guy like Kyler Murray. And I I just like the way this team – we'll get into some of the details, but I just love the way they came out, energy, um, you know, watching some of the guys lead the fields. It looks like they got their confidence back and their swag back. Yes, it's only one game, but it was a big game to get that monkey off their back. A big win on a big stage in Big D. And the Cardinals – We'll get into what happened, offense, defense, and special teams, because I do think it was one of the more complete wins of the season. But what happened on Sunday sets the stage for a very interesting Week 18. And off the top here, Bird Gang, this is what is going to happen on Sunday. Cardinals will post the Seahawks at 225 in the afternoon. The Rams will host the 49ers at 225 in the afternoon. And the Saints will travel to the Falcons at 2.25 in the afternoon. Why do I bring up Saints and Falcons? Well, here are the scenarios. Because the Cardinals have put themselves in position to win the NFC West. They need to win, and the Rams need to lose. Simple as that. Rams win, they clinch. Cardinals win, plus they need the Rams to lose. But the 49ers are playing for something. They have not clinched a playoff spot. They need to win or have the Saints lose. Saints need to win or, excuse me, not or, and have the 49ers lose. Sounds confusing, but bottom line is that Rams 49ers game, it's in Los Angeles, but the 49ers are going to be playing for something, and that matters to Cardinals fans because now all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, maybe the rest or maybe we see more of Trey Lance, don't know about the health of Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe the Rams rest players, but no, there's – there's an important aspect in that game, and all three are kicking off at the same time in Week 18. I'll go a step further. The 49ers have beat the Rams the past five times, including this season. And twice in L.A. during this run of five in a row, and four of the last five times they visited Los Angeles. And the Rams, um, you know, they went on the road and won a game, but um, you know, play here and a play there, that game could have gone the other way. And Matthew Stafford, again, uh, two interceptions, pick six, a fumble. Is that six turnovers now in two weeks? Yes. And they're still winning. And they're still winning because they found a ground game in Sony Michelle. They still have Cooper Cup. Odell Beckham has been a – he's been an addition. I mean, without that play, they don't win that game yesterday late in the game. It's just fascinating that, you know, we talked about the NFC West all year. Uh, last year the Seahawks finished 12-4. and four. Obviously, they took a step back, but here we are, one week left, and three teams in the division could be in the postseason. 49ers are going to be very motivated. Not that the Rams aren't, but you like that scenario from the Cardinals' perspective. Now, when you when you look at the Dallas-Philly game, they, they flexed it to, I think, Saturday. 
Saturday night. Are, the, are those teams going to play their starters? It's a good question. It's the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles are already in the playoffs. Maybe they're looking to build towards the postseason. But, yeah, both teams are in. I, I'm shocked. that the, I mean, they're already in the playoffs. Now, it's, it's the Cowboys, If though. you're Nick Sirianni, hey, first-year head coach, a lot of people question the hire like they do for everyone. Wow. Give him a lot of credit because I think everyone thought with with Ron Rivera and that Washington football team with Ryan Fitzpatrick, they were going to make a run. And then you got the Giants, and, and and obviously you know you just look at that division. Um, you know Dallas, it's really Dallas and Philadelphia for a while, and then Washington they'll have to figure out the quarterback position. And so it, I was just I was just perplexed when I saw. I, you're right because I think the top five games this year twice have been the Cowboys. And maybe it comes on Thanksgiving or, you know, Monday Night Football. But anyways, yeah, um, the NFL, um, we talk about the schedule makers. <laughs> they they are they are sneaky good when it comes to not letting anything out of the bag until games are over and how they can dictate when you start a game. The only team that is secure in its spot in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers. They have clinched the number one seed with a 13-3 and record. You got the Rams, Buccaneers, both at 12 and four. The Cowboys and Cardinals at 11 and five. 49ers, Eagles at nine and seven. Saints at eight and eight. New Orleans again can move into that top seven with a win and a 49ers loss. Cardinal fans though want a 49ers win, and that means the Cardinals with a win against the Seahawks would win the NFC West. Also, four teams have clinched a playoff berth as missing the postseason last year. The Cardinals the Bengals, the Cowboys, and the Patriots. Since 1990, a streak of 32 consecutive seasons, at least four teams uh, are in the postseason that were not in the year before. And we could have a fifth, depending on what happens on Sunday night with the Chargers and the Raiders. And that's what the offices, the NFL offices in New York like is the fact that you see that turnover and that parity, if you will. Yeah, there are certain teams that are always there, but those last four, five teams of the 14 that make the playoffs, there's constant turnover. Yeah, and, you know, the Cardinals didn't finish in worse. Otherwise, you know, in this sense, they're only going to be a, a two-seed or second in the division unless they win and the Rams lose. Okay, before we dive deep into the game, because there's a lot of stuff to talk about good things, I looked at the best road records going into week 18. Ten playoff teams as of last night. Cardinals 8-1 and one on the road. Rams 7-2. and two. Patriots 6-1. and one. Cowboys 6-2. and two. Colts 5-2. and two. Packers 5-3. and three. 49ers 5-3. and three. Bills 5-3. and three. Eagles 6-3. and three. It's amazing that those are all playoff teams that won on the road. Instead of, you know, hey, we'll win our 7 or 8 at home. I mean, the Rams are 7-2 and two on the road. You have to be able to win away from your building in order to make not only the playoffs, but a sustained playoff run. Now, eight wins on the road has only happened ten times now in NFL history. Granted, the Cardinals with an extra road game this season, teams are going to have nine road games. So there is an opportunity for someone to go 9-0, and but certainly – Eight and one, and then the teams that the Cardinals have beaten on the road. You go in, beat a very good Titans team in week one. You beat the Rams in Los Angeles. Go into Cleveland, beat a very capable Browns team despite not having your head coach and a handful of players. And you go in and you win in San Francisco. You win in Seattle. An opportunity here to sweep the regular season series from the Seahawks with a win on Sunday. So very impressive on what the Cardinals have done on the road. Now, how do you make sure that they get that positive vibes at State Farm Stadium? Well, the difference is three and five at home or four and four. I mean, as bad as things have gone, um, you know, we go to the Packers game, had a chance to win at the end. Uh, clearly, the Carolina game was, uh, you know, disappointing. Uh, the Colts game technically came down to the end. Um, but, yeah, you want, we, we always talk about um, winning home games, trying to scratch out a few road wins. Um, winning in your division, they can go to five and one there. I mean, usually it's three and three, two and four. Last year they're out two and zero, oh, and then they lose four straight. So those are barometers. But eight and one on the road. Well, and it's the 
one loss that you're scratching your head over, the fact that, you know, you beat the Titans, you beat the Rams, you beat the Browns, and you can't figure out a way to beat the Lions. That's the one blemish on what would have been a perfect road record. And then we probably talking about the Rams in second place and the Cardinals in first place in the NFC West. But let's not pick that scab. Exactly. Well said. Cardinals covered two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals here on this Victory Monday. It has been a while, but as we take a look at what happened Sunday at AT&T Stadium, 25-22, the final Cardinals get the win, offense, defense, and special teams. I know what was the more impressive performance by the three phases of the game. To me, it was the defense, but it's the offense and Kyler Murray that is going to garner the headlines. So let's start there because Kyler Murray, once again, he owns AT&T Stadium. He is now, as a starter in that building, a perfect 8-0 and as he throws two touchdown passes, no interceptions, and that's key. The Cardinals' offense did not turn the ball over at all. Murray completed 68% of his passes. That's better than six percentage points higher than his combined completion percentage over the past three games. Is that because Rodney Hudson returned? Certainly looked great to have number 61 hike in the football, but you did not have D.J. Humphreys and Kelvin Beecham, who got a game ball afterwards, anchored that left side, and despite some struggles early in the game, I thought Josh Jones held up at right tackle. Yeah, I mean, and, and all of a sudden you got Max Garcia at right guard and, and Rodney Hudson, I can't say enough of what he brings, and, you know, Justin Pugh. So, yeah, I thought he was flawless. I mean, the fact that, you know, when you look at you know, Micah Parsons and Randy Gregory and then Demarcus Lawrence, I mean, it wasn't like they were in the backfield all day. And, Craig, I mean – We've talked about this now for at least four weeks. Run the football. Play with a lead. It was 3 nothing, 10 nothing, and they ran the ball 32 times. And when they run the ball over 30 times, the record is? 9-0. And, and they held the Cowboys to 45 yards rushing. I mean, it was – It was. I mean, I, I just like the, the energy. Um, and in fairness to the players, you know, we're yelling, I was yelling fire in a the theater when you lose three in a row. And, again, the Lions game. They're like, eh, we're good. We just need to clean some things up. We're good. And, and they were all consistent. Zach Ertz, Kyler Murray, Cliff. And I think they got their mojo back. I think they got their swagger and confidence. It's only one game. But the fact is they had already clinched, and I, I felt like the pressure was off. And they just went out there and played football. I mean, you could see they played as a team. And the fact that Cliff said, you know, he talked about, hey, we got to get better to better practice habits. And then we asked him on Friday, I did. And he said, I, I, the way the practice went, I was encouraged. And then as uh, he pointed out with everyone, it was good to get back to a normal schedule. And I think that carried over to the game. Cleaner football played. No turnovers, seven penalties but only two in the second half. There was that stretch in the second quarter. The defense got penalized three times on the same drive. Josh Jones penalized twice in the first half. But other than that, a near perfect, I wouldn't say perfectly played, but as far as that clean football phrase that Kingsbury likes to use, you don't turn the ball over, you don't commit unnecessary penalties, either on third down as a defense to extend a drive for your opponent, or a first and 10 becomes a first and 15, or a third and one becomes a third and six. Did it happen? It did, but in crunch time, talking about the second half, it did not happen. Kyler Murray with 442 on the clock, and I want to get into this because that is winning football, and Ron Wolfley on the broadcast mentioned at the start of the fourth quarter and I'm paraphrasing here, is Kyler Murray a franchise quarterback? This is when you define yourself as a franchise quarterback. In the fourth quarter, Dak Prescott had just scored to all of a sudden make it a one-score game. 25-22, you take over with 442 left to go at your own 25, and you run out the clock. You gain four first downs. The Cowboys don't touch the football at all, and you walk off that field. You control how the game ended as an offense, and that was impressive. Yeah, and that's what they call a four-minute offense and the fact that, you know, Dallas ran out of timeouts, and here they are, you know, after the two-minute warning, basically um, you had three kneel downs. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, the two-minute warning, 
Kyler Murray um, left end for nine yards, two-minute warning comes, three kneel downs. It's got to be frustrating standing over there knowing that he had to burn a timeout. And, and of course, it's always during the game situation. He thought it was best for his team. Uh, but, um, yeah, that we've seen this a few times now. Fourth time this season the offense ran out the clock. Now, only one really is that matters. Now, against the Texans, they ran out the last 257. That game was over with, though. At Cleveland, they ran out the last 354. That game, though, was decided. The 49ers, 4-12 to go with a 17-10 lead. Cardinals gained two first downs and were able to walk off the field. The offense controlled that game. What about the Rams game? Rams offense finished that game. Cardinals finished it with a sustained drive, but when the offense walks off the field, that's what I was looking at. Okay. The Rams finished that game with Matthew Stafford on the football and, field. And the Titans game? That was Tannehill on the field Interesting. to end that ball game. Because I felt like there, there was, when you, know, when you look at time of possession and when you have a lead like that, where it's two or three possessions, that was James Conner left and right and, and Chase Edmonds, and they you know didn't have to throw the ball, and we talk about it all the time. It's demoralizing for any team when you know they're going to run it and you still can't stop it. Yeah, that Rams drive with 11 runs or 10 of 11 plays run from scrimmage all on the ground, that's sealed the win. But the Rams offense finished the game on the football field. So what happened on Sunday in Dallas, fourth time, but really the second time that mattered, at home against the 49ers when you're leading by 17-10 to 10 with possession, you don't want to give the ball back to your opponent. You gain two first downs, run out the clock. On Sunday against the Cowboys, you gain four first downs, run out the clock, and the Cowboys never touched the football. Not sure why Kyler Murray was throwing on that first and ten on that first play. Although Christian Kirk was open, it was just an overthrow. I was like, no. But after that, <laughs> quarterback draw, Kyler Murray gains 15 yards, one first down. Chase Edmonds up the middle for three yards. Kyler Murray throws to Zach Ertz for 11 yards, second first down. And look at that play again. Zach Ertz gave himself up. He went down on both knees to make sure he stayed in bounds. Cowboys had to call their second timeout. After that, Chase Edmonds on the option pitch, 11 yards, another first down. Cowboys call their third and final timeout. And then the controversy, if you will. And i got to say, MJ, I went back this morning and I watched five different times. Never really got a definitive angle on whether Chase Edmonds fumbled that football before the knee was down. It certainly looked like it was a fumble. It was a clear recovery by the Dallas Cowboys. It did not seem like the defender was out of bounds when he touched the football. But when you don't have a timeout to challenge and the nearside official is emphatically pointing to the ground, meaning Edmonds was down, can't challenge it. On replay, it's very, very close. I don't know if it gets overturned based on the call on the field, but that's something that the Cowboys are going to be talking about a long, long time. Cardinals catch a break, but sometimes you create your own breaks. Craig, I'm glad you mentioned the official because that's the first thing I see. And he, 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 he you know, when he said he's down, down. He, he did it at least three times, and he was adamant. Oh, they're crying in Dallas. Oh, man. Ten penalties. Oh, man. Now, I think every team does this, but we don't get it from the head coach. Mike McCarthy talked to his team about this officiating crew and what they call and what they don't call. And I, at least four players were complaining last night. Maybe they got to look at the head coach, and it's easy to say, you know, hindsight's unbeaten in sports, right? Of course. By burning a timeout, he could have he had the opportunity to challenge that play. I'll say this though: you don't call a timeout there in the third quarter when the Cowboys looked and acted confused because of what the Cardinals were getting ready to set up. If they don't call a timeout there and the Cardinals run the play, I think the Cardinals score a touchdown. Instead, they kick a field goal. But look at that play: Cardinals fourth and five, the Dallas eight. Matt Prater is lined up as a wide receiver to the right. Aaron Brewer is in the slot on the right. A.J. Green's uncovered on the left side. Cowboys, again, they had one player in the backfield, started to run off, then came back, and then went back trying to go out off the field. And literally, there was confusion. And I do think Kyler Murray wanted to snap the ball, but 
There were Cowboy defenders on the Cardinals' side of the line of scrimmage. The official was over the ball, so they couldn't snap it. The other interesting twist was Sean Harlow was in at left guard. So the Cardinals made it seem like at some point they were going to kick a field goal, but you had your long snapper and your kicker lined up as wide receivers to the right. And according to Kingsbury, all credit to special teams coach Jeff Rogers forcing the Cowboys to call a timeout because earlier in the quarter, the Cardinals had burned a timeout to avoid a delay of game. So I know Mike McCarthy is going to get a lot of heat for not having enough timeouts, but they don't call a timeout there. It's either going to be first and goal for the Cardinals or the Cowboys defense is going to give up a touchdown. Yeah. Were you starting to get nervous when it was 25-22? I was just because you're on the road. Now, again, Kyler Murray loves playing in that building, yeah. but 442 with your offense on and, the football field. And the way Dak was playing in the fourth quarter. Two fourth quarter touchdowns. He had been confused earlier, which I want to get into later on. But sure. he looked good, but – Again, you go back to the offense and being able to run the football. The offensive line did a great job. Double tight end sets with Demetri, excuse me, with uh, Darnell Daniels in at the second tight end position. So I liked how this game ended, and it was fun to watch it once again earlier on Monday. Yeah, I mean, at, at one point they had three tight ends. I only only trust two because Harris was out. Maybe there's an extra lineman out there. Um, to me, that's being smart. That's going mass protection, saying we're we're going to run the ball, and they did. Now you look at Zach Ertz led the team with nine targets. He hauled in seven balls for 42 yards. The leading receiver was Christian Kirk, six catches, eight targets, 79 yards, and AJ Green three catches, five targets, 74 yards. As for the offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus, Josh Jones was the only lineman credited allowing multiple pressures. He allowed three. Every other starting lineman allowed just one pressure. No sacks were given up. Well, by the offensive line? Oh, yeah, because the one sack that the Cardinals did take was basically Kyler Murray, and that was on himself. Backpedaling, yeah. all of a sudden it became a 14-yard. So we might have been talking about that play because you take a sack yes. and then to delay a game on the punt, and all of a sudden Andy Lee is punting from the back of his end zone, and the Cowboys have the ball at the Cardinals' 31-yard line. They score to make it 22-14. That little sequence right there, the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter, could have been disastrous if this game is flipped, and we're talking about a Cowboys win. Yeah, and Kyler Murray, some of those deep passing, he connected on three throws beyond 20 yards in the air, 104 yards. He added 44 yards on the ground, 11 of them coming after contact. Now, he completed uh, six passes behind the line of scrimmage, 0 for 9, 14, 10 to 19, 3, and 20 plus 3. And his, when he went through th uh, the three receptions over 20 yards, 104 uh, yards. It was nice to see that. And then Chase Evans gained 53 yards on 18 carries. 42 came after contact. He rushed for four first downs and forced one missed tackle. He also caught all five of his targets for 28 yards. Chase Evans, there were, there were about five to six guys that brought – brought the energy yesterday, and I thought it was contagious, starting with Buda Baker, Chandler Jones, there was, and Chase Edmonds. I mean, um, I can't say enough about the offensive line as a whole, but, but, you don't, but I just saw some energy that maybe we didn't see in the previous games. And sticking with the run, you bring up the 32 rushing attempts and now 9-0 when this team has 30 or more carries on the ground. They did throw – they did have more pass attempts than rushing attempts, but they never got away from the ground game. And Chase Edmonds, his per carry average is not great. It's less than three a carry, but they kept doing it. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. They never trailed, so it wasn't like they were running when they were trailing. But even in situations where you could think that Kingsbury would dial up a pass, they were still pounding it between the tackles. Even though you're only gaining a yard or two, you have to keep doing it, even if on the surface it looks like, well, why are you doing that? Sometimes it's to wear out a defense, set something up for later in the ball game, to where the Cardinals in that four-minute offense to close out, they were able to run the ball very effectively and gain several first downs. Do you think the Cowboys are caught off guard when Greg Dorich was out there for the first play of the game and he gets the ball? 24-yard jet sweep. Second play, though, Chase Sec Edmonds, that's right. 14 yards. 14, yes. So your first two plays from scrimmage, Kyler Murray's under center, and you're running right. the football. And he was under center how many times? Eight unofficially, not counting the three kneel downs at the end of the game. But I like 
when there are certain situations, he's under center. I know that, you know, the RPO and the zone read, the pistol, and he needs to see the entire field, and it helps when you got Rodney Hudson back. Um, but we're starting to see more of it, but it's more about down and distance. Situational football. Correct. Being smart, not being too cute. Now, I did not like – it wasn't all – Peaches and cream, Bird Gang, as far as the offense is concerned. I did not like that first possession in which you had second and goal at the one and you're throwing the football. That could have been disastrous. Instead, you had third and goal. Josh Jones false start. Now all of a sudden it's third and goal from the six. Incomplete pass and you settle for a field goal. Two of four inside the red zone and that needs to get corrected. That a pass attempt on second down, that's Kingsbury being too cute. Now, again, that's from the outside. I don't know what the play call was, and maybe Murray checked into something, but I, it's one yard. It's not that difficult. Ask the Seattle Seahawks and Marshawn Lynch. Well, and, 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 and you have, uh, you know, you have Chase Edmund, you have Jonathan Ward. I mean, you can bring in Lucky Foe, too. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, yeah. I mean, just for eye candy, but it reminded me of that play against the Rams. That the, when Ertz, or when the ball got tipped by Donald and Ernest Jones made that interception, it changed the complexion of the entire game. Even though it happened early, yeah. And and then you brought it up uh, late in the game. They're throwing on first down. I was like, oh, what are we doing here? But you know, it all works out. But again, that's something you can clean up. I think you know the fact is they put up 399 yards. That was impressive. 127 on the ground. 72 plays compared to the Cowboys, 57. It was offensively, again, not perfect, but it looked a heck of a lot better than it did during the three-game losing streak. Yeah, and third down, 7 of 16, and then two for two on fourth down. And one was obviously the, the fake punt. The first fourth down conversion, fourth and goal, Kyler Murray, a one-yard pass to Antoine Wesley that the ball was tipped by Malik Hooker. That extended the Cardinals' lead to 10-0. Again, throwing the football on fourth down on one, but it was a bootleg rollout. Yeah. So it was a, it was a clearer look for Kyler Murray into the end zone than if it was he just dropped back to pass. What about, uh, what do they call him, Tweezy? Antoine Wesley. I still don't know <laughs> – Everyone that is asked or that we have the opportunity to speak to and we ask about Antoine Wesley, they they go, one, it's like, who? Tweezy. I don't I, – I, unless I miss something, MJ, I don't know where Tweezy comes from. Okay. What's the nickname? Let, let's start with his first name and then last name. Wesley Tw- – I, I was trying to figure it out this morning too. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. My guess is at some point this week we'll hear from Antoine Wesley, but unless I miss something, I, I apologize, Bergen. I'm, I don't know the origins of this nickname, but if you bring up Antoine Wesley, everyone has a blank look on their face. You have to mention Tweezy. Two touchdowns. Four catches for 30 yards. I'll tell you what, some of those catches look like Hopkins. He's running – well, one, he's playing the same position, lined up, split left and he's running routes. He's got the same built build as far as Hopkins, as far as, you know, the frame. And he just needs to get a little stronger, I think. There was that third down catch yeah. that he had, and then the defender knocked out of his hands. Kyler Murray postgame mentioned that he kind of barked a little bit at Wesley on that play. And Wesley took it and said, you know what, keep feeding me. Keep looking my direction. And Kyler Murray did. And Wesley rewarded him. Yeah, that was a good observation you brought up yesterday to me about he needs to get stronger. I really didn't think about it, but I just like his catch radius. I mean, he, you, know, you could throw it up there. Now, sometimes you're going to overthrow it, but, um, you know, he's given this team a lift. We know the wide receivers, you know, haven't been as much in the end zone since Hop's been out, and we know that, you know, Zach Ertz is getting targeted. But, I, you know, I, I we, we he flashed in training camp. You and I were like, who's 33? And then we didn't see him for a while. And then you find out he played for Cliff, and he knows the offense. And then once Kyler Murray trusts you, he's going to throw the ball to you, and he's done that. And I think, you know, just on paper, I mean, he gives you some flexibility at that position moving forward. That's a good observation as far as what happens following this season. There'll be plenty of time to discuss that. But he has certainly opened up a lot of eyes as far as being that big target as far as a six-foot four frame long arms and then the trust of the quarterback that means something yeah and maybe it's a texas connection who knows but whatever it takes 
I think uh, our guy stat was Mike Helm. Uh, he mentioned the last time he had caught a touchdown was like 2,000 days or something. Did you see that stat in the release last week? Oh, last week, yeah, yeah. because he's got three now in two weeks. But, yeah, before <laughs> that it would have been at Texas Tech at some point. I think Kingsbury was the head coach. Yeah. So it had been a that long time. That was a time. long time. And now he's eating. One other note on the offense, because we discussed it last week leading into this game here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and that is when you run the ball, I would be okay if Kyler Murray was running the football. He did not have his first rushing attempt until the third quarter. He had three runs on the Cardinals' second possession of the third quarter, plus two, plus seven, plus 12. He finished with 44 rushing yards on nine carries, and it worked for me because whether it was – by design or calling his own number, he made it work at the opportune time for Kyler Murray to be running the football. Yeah, and his long was 15 yards. He averaged about four nine. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, when I'm watching the uh, the post game uh, uh, speech from Kingsbury, I did see James Conner, and I'm like, oh, man, is he coming back? I mean, clearly it was a game time decision, so they have to bring him on the trip. But it wasn't like he was sitting in a walking boot on the, on the side. He was part of the huddle. And I, and I don't know. I mean, clearly they feel like we need this guy for the postseason. So, and he's he, he's, I mean, he's taken a beating just from a physicality standpoint. Um, yes, he had the bye week. He said he felt fresh, but at, at this point in the year, I mean, he's taken he's he's taken a lot of hits. And the way he's like a bowling ball out there, you know, there's six seven guys trying to tackle him at times. So, I guess it's a blessing in disguise when you can win. Because you get that one-two punch cone, and then the the wild card would be Kyler Murray. I mean, as 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 a luxury as it is, but again, I have no problem with him pulling that ball down and going I, because there's things that he sees that only he can see from being in the pocket. And and I thought he did a much better job staying in the pocket, and they moved the pocket a little bit for him. But I I do like the game plan, and then Kingsbury was kind of tongue in cheek after the game, just how much Sean Coogler talks about running the football. And when you get away with it, bad things happen. Cardinals able to win despite James Conner, Rondell Moore, and no DJ Humphreys. Three starters, three huge weapons on the offensive side of the ball, all three expected to return hopefully this week. Now on the flip side, defensively, no Jordan Phillips, no Marcus Golden, no Devon Kennard, no Marco Wilson. Robert Alford remains on injured reserve. I just named five starters slash key rotation pieces that the Cardinals defense did not have, yet they shut down the number one scoring offense, number one total offense in the National Football League. To me, while the offense and Kyler Murray are going to garner all the headlines, I was more impressed by the job Vance Joseph did, putting his players in position to make plays, and they answered. Yeah, you know, Prescott finished uh, just six yards per attempt and average depth of Tarta just 4-9 as he tried to get the ball out of his uh, as quickly as possible. His average time was 2.13, according to Pro Football Focus. Even when, when kept clean, the results were not there for Prescott. Dropbacks, 34. He, he only averaged 4.4 under pressure. There were eight of those. As for the running backs, the Cowboys only gave 12 handoffs to running backs. Ezekiel Elliott going for just 16 yards on nine carries and Tony Pollard gaining nine yards on three carries. They combined for one first down. The running back position. Pollard and Elliott, one first down. Uh, Schultz led him in targets, uh, securing six catches on nine targets, 54 yards. Gallup was the only receiver above two yards per route. And then the offensive line was credited up, giving up four pressures and zero sacks. Tyron Smith was the only player credited with giving up multiple pressures, and he had two. Well, and he was also working a lot against Chandler Jones. And got a holding penalty. Chandler Jones only had one quarterback hit, two tackles for loss, one forced fumble, but a huge holding call. And Chandler Jones, despite what the final stats might say, did affect that game as the entire defensive front because Dak Prescott might not have been pressured a lot, but he was confused. Vance Joseph, he spoke post-game, mentioned that they did a lot of disguising to try to get Prescott off his game. You weren't going to be able to maybe get into the backfield and hit him, but you could frustrate him, and they did that in the first half. Yeah, Jane Slater was outside the Cardinals locker room, and she got a chance to talk to Buda Baker uh, for the NFL Network, and he said all week we talked about disguising Dak Prescott, and they realized how much he changed his plays at the line of scrimmage. So it was really a chess match. 
According to Pro Football Focus, Chandler earned four of six pressures credited to the defensive line, but none got home for a sack. He also added two run stops. Isaiah Simmons, boy, what an effort play there. I mean, here he's in the backfield. He, 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 he you know, sometimes you got to slow down, but he, I'm not going to question his effort. And then all of a sudden he gets back into the play and he punches the ball out. And then Dennis Gardek, we, you know, Johnny on the spot, um, it said Simmons was targeted repeatedly in the coverage. He allowed six catches on seven targets for 62 yards, but only three went for first downs. Zabin Collins was targeted twice, only a seven-yard reception, but also forced an incompletion. So nice to see Zabin out there. Craig, this was the first time I seen this team play a true 4-3. Four down linemen, okay? You had Chandler Jones, you had Zabin Collins, and then you had Jordan Hicks, and they had uh, Isaiah Simmons in the slot. That was a true four defense to where you can get all three of those guys on the field, and then they got the unicorn and Isaiah Simmons. A 4-3 defense. We talk about 3-4 all the time. They show a five-man front. That was a true 4-3 defense. And a different look that the Cowboys weren't expecting, weren't ready for, and it did take a little bit of time. And give Dak some credit because in that second half, specifically in the fourth quarter, he was able to find some open receivers and some leakage in the secondary. But bottom line, this defense, again, you're talking about an offense that was averaging better than 30 points a game, that was averaging better than 400 yards and better than 125 yards on the ground, yet only scored 22 points, held to 301 yards, and only had 45 rushing yards. Now, not a season low for the Cardinals' defense, as funny as that sounds, but a season low rushing yards for the Dallas Cowboys. Stopping the run. We talk about it every single week. And Zach Allen, post-game with Danny Sarek, who was in Dallas, you can see it on azcardinals.com, had a little... I was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but mentioned, like, oh, maybe now they'll stop talking about us that we can't stop the run. And look, you're going to get talked about not stopping the run until you finally do stop the run, and the Cardinals stop the run. Well, I mean, if you want to go back to the previous week after the first play with Taylor, 2.5. Yep. So, I mean, it's encouraging. It's still it's still going to come up because when you get to the postseason, we know teams are get a little more, uh, depending on the weather, if you're playing outside, um, but teams get a little more conservative, and, you know, you got to win the trenches. All right, secondary, Byron Murphy. Now, we got a lot of calls on Byron Murphy last night. He's played a lot this year, and, you know, when you get those interceptions early in the season, I think people are expecting it. And, you know, you don't have Alford out there, Marco Wilson, so clearly he was targeted. He allowed seven uh, of targets in his coverage. Uh, six went for first down or a touchdown. On the other side, Kevin Peterson saw eight targets, allowing six catches in two touchdowns. It was interesting that Peterson played more. more than Antonio Hamilton as far as the cornerback position is concerned. Now, Peterson did get the start. It was not Hamilton, but Peterson did get the start. And, yeah, on Cardinal Talk, people are asking about Byron Murphy. Now, is it because he was maybe on an island by himself? Now, I'll say this. There was not a single pass catcher that had more than 55 receiving yards. Dak did a good job of spreading the ball around, whether it was to a wide receiver tight end or running back. Yet at the same time, on those two touchdowns, looked like Cedric Wilson, Murphy lost him on that first Prescott touchdown in the second half, and then Amari Cooper was open for that second touchdown, and that's stuff you don't like to see. Now, you got to be able to clean that up, and it's easier to do it after a win, but that secondary needs to shore itself up, especially if that front is not going to be able to get to the backfield and affect the quarterback. Good news. Alford is eligible to come back for this final game, and then hopefully Marco Wilson, we don't know the severity and how long he's going to be out. But if you'd have told me before the game, Craig, C.D. Lamb, three catches, 51 yards. One was a 26-yarder. Michael Gallup, and unfortunately he tore his ACL. I thought Kevin Peterson had good coverage, but he got twisted at the end. Gallup, three catches, 36 yards. Of course, a 21-yard touchdown. Amari Cooper, three catches, 18 yards. Really, it was a tight end who was targeted 10 times. And Schultz, six catches, 54 yards. And again, you know, 17 carries for 45 yards, 2.6. I mean, this is complimentary football. This is this is when this, when this team's committed to running and the defense can get uh, the opposing team off the field, Yes, it's got to get better in the red zone. I agree. Two for four is not going to cut it in the playoffs. But 
I was encouraged yesterday. Uh, again, and I like the fact that those guys were not freaking out about the three-game losing streak. And, and I thought they got their swag back yesterday. I thought they got their mojo back. Now it's one game, but it was a big game concerning what was going on because I guarantee you everyone would pick the Cowboys. They're going to the Super Bowl and all that other stuff. And I think we're going to see these guys in a couple of weeks. That's – yeah. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> in two weeks the Cardinals likely going to be heading to and, and, Dallas. And we're going to hear this – Kyler Murray has not lost. I always worry about the next game. <laughs> yeah, no one wanted to look ahead immediately after the game because I think Kingsbury was asked about it, Buda Baker was asked about it, Kyler Murray was asked about it. Hey, you know, in a couple of weeks you might be coming back here. And so, yeah, it, it's just the way things happen. But as you were listing off the receiving yards for a C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup, you're talking about – and Rob Fredrickson brought this up on Cardinal Talk because – what we talked about earlier in the week, perhaps the best wide receiver core in all of football. Now, none of them had great games, yet the big plays, the touchdowns, it looked like it was too easy. Yet, for the most part, and I don't know, again, I haven't watched the All-22 film and how what Pro Football Focus said Murphy was versus what the Cardinals coaching staff understanding what they were asking Murphy to do. So as bad as it might have looked on a handful of plays, keep in mind, again, CeeDee Lamb, three catches, Michael Gallup, three catches, Amari Cooper, three catches. It wasn't the wide receiver. It was the tight end and, and really not any pass catcher that really burned the Cardinals, except that Dak Prescott threw three touchdowns and they all looked fairly easy. Yeah, and it was fascinating seeing Isaiah Simmons though. Lining up in the slot. Because, I mean, you're just thinking he's kind of a hybrid. You know, you, you throw him out there to cover the tight end. But, man, he – I just like the way he plays. And it was nice to see Zayvon Collins get some time out there. He he was he was just sticking his nose in there. I mean, yeah, I think he had a tackler. Maybe – was it one or, one or two tackles? A couple of tackles yeah. for Collins. 19 defensive snaps his first time on defense in four games. Victor DiMukeji actually played 10 more snaps at 29. And look at Gardek. Dennis Gardek had 25 snaps on defense. And all these guys were backups. Yes. Because Kennard and Golden were out. It's kind of like when they were missing Murphy and Wilson. I mean, all these guys are NFL players. It's just that when you look at Dennis Gardek, NASCAR package. Uh, Victor, more Jeff Rogers has turned into a really good special teams player, so you know you're going to be active on game day. And then you know, you, you just throw in Collins where, hey, listen, position flexibility will keep you in this league a long, long time. And the fact is, you know, we'll see what Jordan Hicks' his contract number is next year. We'll worry about that stuff in the offseason. But it's nice to see him contribute. And he's also become a really good special teams player. I mean, he's, he's you know, I'm sure he wants to play more. But when your number's called, ring the bell. Speaking of special teams, we gave props to Jeff Rogers earlier in the show with respects to forcing the Cowboys to call that timeout late in the third quarter. What did you think of, one, the decision to go for it on fourth down and then the fake punts, whether it was the throw by Chris Banjo or the unbelievable catch off the helmets of the receiver, or excuse me, of the defender by Jonathan Ward? Well, I can tell you this. The Cowboys were caught off guard. So they – Jeff Rogers, I mean. One, it's fourth and two at your own 33. At that point, you're only leading three nothing. So I, that's whether you go forward in a traditional you know, offensive formation or you fake it, that's okay. But what, that's a gutsy call right there. Oh, I, it was ballsy. You gutsy, ballsy. I, I totally tweeted that out. But what do we always say when you're playing a team that's coming off scoring 50 points? You have to steal a possession. Now, it was early in the game. And then it worked out. They got out to nothing, you know, right? So I'm just saying, it, 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 again, uh, you don't see a lot of special teams coordinators get head coaching jobs. I think Belichick cut his teeth there. John Harbaugh. Um, I'm sure there's others that started at that level. But I did see his name on a list way down there. Coach to, Rogers? To get an interview. Now, again. Uh, Whether he has any interest, I have no, no idea. No, I'm but, just yeah. saying, though, but it's nice to see him get recognized because it's usually who's the hot coordinators, you know, who's this up-and-comer. Special teams is not talked about. It's no. offense, defense. And let's be honest, between, you know, Buddy Morris, the strength and conditioning coach, and Jeff Rogers, they have a relationship with every single player. Even Kyler Murray's over there talking to Jeff Rogers. 
So they know every single player in and out, and they trust him, and I like that. Um, Banjo. <laughs> As he tweeted out, <laughs> QB4. And the Cardinals, for a little bit, I think more fun than anything on social media, yeah. did change the jet chart and listed Chris Banjo as the fourth-string quarterback. All right. You know I'm a big fan of Jonathan Moore. Yes. You know I want him to see him get some more time, and I know he's a special teams guy. His only target, his only catch, <laughs> 23 yards, catching it, using the helmet of the defender, and he got interfered with. <laughs> Pick up the flag, take the result of the twenty-three yards, and, and he only got a couple touches, two, two for three yards. I just, I just like, I just like his demeanor. You can see he's well liked in that locker room because the way he practices, and he's a tough guy, man. I mean, what a catch! I mean, is that going to be up for a catch of the year? Oh, I don't think there's any question. Now it might get lost because it was on a fake. It wasn't a traditional offensive play, but I, I'll, I'll be honest. You know, did he even see? the football because the defender's right in his face and then you're coming down with it and you still – you've got that – your hand on the football and the football's on the defender's helmet and you're coming down with it. He never got two hands on the football. I know. So it was a, as unbelievable job by Jonathan Ward. Just a great job overall by special teams. Matt Prater, four field goals. You got your holder, you got your long snapper and your kicker. That entire process looked flawless and the Cardinals needed every bit – of those four field goal kicks. And you and I were not big fans of, you know, extra point field goals, but hey, it puts points on the board where four, maybe they go for it, and then all of a sudden they're playing catch up. So, yeah, we, we weren't talking about the long snapper, the holder last night, or anything like that. So, again, that starts with the uh, Jeff Rogers and just a relationship they all three have with the other Brewer, uh, Lee, and then you throw in Prater. And then this unit has done a good job when it comes to coverage units. I thought that they've improved in certain areas. I'm sure it can get better. You know, Andy Lee, you know, he may not have the same hang time. We're seeing more more um, kicks, like more directional kicks. But, hey, that's his tools in his, in, his, in his toolbox that he can break out. And I love the fact that he can pin that ball in the 10 or 15-yard line, which makes the team got to go 75 or 80 yards. He had a 47-yard punt and a great tackle by Charles Washington yes. on C.D. Lamb in the fourth quarter, and the Cowboys were starting at their own 10-yard line. That was the play in which Isaiah Simmons forced the fumble. But, yeah, little things like that that get overlooked. Now, are there things that need to be corrected? Absolutely. Isaiah Simmons needs to do a better job as far as tackling and being in position. Byron Murphy, again, we discussed that. Going forward or deciding to throw on second and goal from the one. Stuff like that that I think Kyler Murray was referring to earlier in the week that, hey, that happens, and then you win, and it gets overlooked or swept under the rug. Well, we're bringing it up because now you've got one regular season game left before the postseason, so easier to correct mistakes or something that might have gotten overlooked unless you're talking about a loss, then all of a sudden that gets magnified. But these little details, offense, defense, and special teams, you shore that up, and you feel much better about the Cardinals going into the playoffs. Yeah, and once again, they didn't beat themselves. They played complimentary football, and, and I love the way they started. Uh, you know, again, it's so obvious. Oh, play with a lead. It's just, you know, if they get behind the sticks, and all of a sudden teams are gashing the run game, it's just demoralizing. If you go three and out, and you feel like you let your defense down, when you get that energy going into the game, and you know, hey, that's a big stage. Um, it's like a nightclub there, and it's big D and. The Cowboys are feeling their oats, and Cardinals went in there and took care of business. Nice to be on the other end of a game in which you're playing a team with depleted roster depth, either because of injuries or COVID. And the Cardinals have seen the Packers, the Rams, the Lions all beat them at less than full strength. Cardinals went into Dallas, a full-strength Cowboys team, Cardinals were not at full strength, and they got the job done. And you won't hear that from the national media. You won't hear it. And and again, this is it's different now. With, with you know, we get the injury report, but we don't get COVID on there. And then all of a sudden, you find out who's out. So usually at this year time of the year, you get a long injury report, but then you have to worry about the game plan, who's out and who's in. And and like I said, I. They they must have had some inkling with, with Humphreys, um, the where you know 
Beecham sometimes gets Wednesdays off during the open portion of practice, maybe he comes out there. I know they're all involved in walkthroughs, whether it's a veteran day, so that's big. And I thought he was seamless. Yeah, the first couple plays is for maybe the first drive, but even Josh Jones settled down a little bit, and they need that. Again, the false starts, you know, the first thing people bring up is the last game. I'm like, okay. But he did settle down, and it wasn't an issue to where it cost his team uh, points on the board. A much better Monday here in this 2022 calendar year. The regular season not quite over, but the three-game losing streak is over. And you can enjoy this before you turn the page and start focusing on a very big game coming up on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks with the NFC West still very much alive and up for grabs. Yeah, Cardinals need some help, but they have put themselves in position to perhaps win the division. Yeah, I mean, just take care of business. Uh, obviously, Seattle, uh, they put up a 50-burger, was it? Yeah, it was kind of impressive, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, and Russell Wilson was the last man on the field signing autographs. Um, if we see Sierra and uh, his kids out here, that could be it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we're a better team, but they're going to like to play spoiler role. I mean, uh, nothing you know, nothing against the Rams or the 49ers, but that's their next opponent. And, you know, when you play a team twice a year, you're kind of familiar with who they are. And I'll, I'll say this, they got that running game going with Rashad Penny. Uh, Metcalf is a weapon on the outside, uh, even though he hasn't been a Cardinals killer in the past. And, they, and last time they played it, I don't know if they had – was Lockett playing last time we played them? It's a good question off the top of my head. I'm he, not sure. He may have, but he's back, and he's a weapon. So they and, – and, again, defensively, they're, they're still trying to find who they are, but they still have some name players. So, I mean, just get back to the grind, practice the way you're going to play, and go out there and take care of business and just let the chips fall where they were. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Huntney, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.